one growing crisis across the world, particularly across the developing world or the low-income world, which is a lot of countries. It's a lot of the world. It's almost 150 countries, definitely 147. But at this point, at this estimate, nearly, nearly 150 plus country which have debt from China. So the crisis that is now growing is about Chinese debts. A lot of it is linked to what the Chinese call BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, I will tell you as we go along how this idea and how this, how this name came into being because this name has had many iterations in the course of time. The global economy has seen a downturn, then pandemic has come. Also, in many of these cases, countries borrowed for projects that were not viable because the Chinese companies and Chinese government working together push these ideas. You see some examples in our neighborhood next door. You saw the port of Hambantota. Sri Lanka did not need to build a port of that size on the same coast, not far away from where Colombo is, right? They just needed to, to expand Colombo's capacity, but that was built. They were not able to pay. The Chinese then possessed it, right? The Pakistanis are building this disastrous China-Pakistan economic corridor, CPC, which is all this stuff coming down across the Himalayas, across the Karakorams, going right up to the Gwadar port. Now, that may be a Chinese fantasy that they will have a port on this side in Arabian Sea. But Chinese fantasy is now Pakistan's nightmare because this was this is a $62 billion project to begin with. Given Pakistan's economy, the size of Pakistan's economy, remember Pakistan's foreign ex exchange reserves have consistently for the past several weeks have been in the $3 billion ballpark. At this point, it might be a little bit lower than $3 billion, which is worth just about 10 days imports for that country. That country is investing in a $62 billion project, infrastructure project leading up to the port and the Chinese need much, much more than the Pakistanis. The Pakistanis have Karachi not far away from there, except to rub their finger in India's eye because they think somehow that India will be so hassled that the Chinese have a port there. To rub a finger in India's eye, they are willing to cut their noses. All right, uh, that, that can be a strategy, but that cannot be economic. So Pakistan is struggling for debt repayment. And this money is not being spent by the Chinese. This is being lent by the Chinese to Pakistan. So the point I'm making is that many of these countries, the projects, where the Chinese lent money were also the projects that the Chinese pushed. These are not the projects that necessarily those countries wanted or needed to spend on at this point. And then the Chinese loans came at a high cost. The Chinese don't view their loans as either aid or donation as some of the other countries might do. Chinese see these purely as a commercial endeavor. So those loans are now beginning to raise questions and these projects are beginning to raise questions. I read a story in the Wall Street Journal that talks about a mega hydroelectric project, a $2.7 billion project, right? For a small country like Ecuador, it's a lot of, lot of money. It's a big hydroelectric project in the, under the shadow of a volcano, in fact. Now, over the years, just as the project is coming up, the project has de developed cracks. There are many problems. And meanwhile, the mountains have, are also going through erosion. It's, a, it's next to a volcano and it's filling up. So it looks like the project might be a write-off. And that has caused a crisis large enough for the Wall Street Journal to do this very detailed article. You will see a screenshot of the front page of the article on your screens. I'm also sharing a link with you. So that's a very good example of how the Chinese are not throwing their money. The Chinese want to lend money. 
but they want to lend money to make money. So they are lending the, this money almost at near commercial terms. First of all, they are saying that catching hold of elites in these countries and they are saying that, look, I will give you the money. You build this project. It's a great project. Maybe if it comes up on time, this will get you elected. So promise your people, I'll build this dam for you. Promise your people, I will build this huge housing for the poor or housing for middle classes for you as they did in Angola, in Luanda. In fact, that debt that they gave to Angola, that was also a multi-billion dollar debt. That was structured against oil supply. So Angola sells oil. It has oil reserves. So the Chinese said, we'll give you this money. You build this housing and we'll recover our money from the oil that you give us. The fact is in that project also cracks are coming up. There is a lot of moisture, etc. And there are lots of complaints that is also becoming a political issue for the government there. Now, why are we talking about this? The reason we are talking about this is that as we talk, G20 finance ministers meeting is going on in Bengaluru. And that's where finance ministers of G20 countries, which includes China, which, which also includes many other lenders to the developing world. It definitely includes all the G7 countries who are the biggest lenders, the OECD countries, and also, and also importantly, representatives of the multilateral non-sovereign lending institutions, that's World Bank, IMF, ADB, etc., etc., etc. And a lot of the talk is about debt forgiveness. A lot of the talk is about, look, poorer countries, developing countries, low-income countries have suffered a great deal, first because of the pandemic and then pandemic-linked slowdown in global economy, and second, from Russian invasion of Ukraine and the war rising oil prices, energy prices. So they are suffering. Let lender, lender countries get together and try and find, find a way of forgiving this debt, taking haircuts as the banks do, or finding a way to give relief to these countries. That's where IMF, World Bank are interested. G7 countries are interested. India is interested. And that's a point also noted by the Washington Post in its editorial yesterday. I will share a copy of that editorial also with you as a link. Also see the front page of that editorial with the headline. And they mentioned that, look, other countries, including India, are willing to look at debt forgiveness, etc., wherever they've given debt. But unless the Chinese agree, this will not happen. That is the context right now because the focus has now come on the Chinese debt because Chinese are not willing to be part of that forgiveness. Chinese, on the other hand, behave like a bank. All right, you don't have the money, you can pay me two years later, which means interest ka meter to chalega na. Interest keeps on rising all the time and their interest rates are high. For them to do debt forgiveness, they have to either drop their interest rates or bring them down to the levels of multilateral lending institutions, that's IMF, World Bank, etc., and then give a long-term debt restructuring or straightforward debt forgiveness. But they don't do it because they never get into it to lose their money. They got into it purely as a commercial endeavor. I'm lending you money at a good coupon rate. I want it back and a thank you note. And remember, you since you are indebted to me, you will do, as I say, particularly on issues of great importance to me, Uyghurs, for example, Xinjiang, or Taiwan, or Tibet, who knows? The Chinese have used this leverage very heavy-handedly. And they are in trouble simply because people who borrowed from them are not in a position to pay. As I told you earlier, one, because they've suffered greatly from the pandemic, and then 
Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the war and the high energy prices as a result of that and the disruption in global supply chains, even disruption in food grain supply chains. Africa suffered greatly because of that. But also they've suffered because the Chinese have pushed impractical, unviable projects on them. Costing has been done by the Chinese or influenced by the Chinese. Contracting has been totally influenced by the Chinese. So most of these contracts on projects funded by the Chinese have gone to Chinese contractors. Remember, unlike the Japanese money, now Japanese give India a lot of money to build these metros, to build the Trans Harbor Link in Mumbai and other things. That comes more like aid. That has a very tiny interest rate, interest rate, bullet train for example, very tiny interest rate. And yes, there is an interest that Japanese contractors will get some of that business, if not all of that business, quite a bit of that business, but, but it is done not as heavy handedly and it is not done by way of pushing projects that the countries don't need because Japanese, the Japanese are charging almost no interest rates, negligible interest rates, unlike the Chinese. I began researching this and a few articles popped up and I found some interesting headlines. And these are interesting headlines from across publications. And I'll read these for you. First of all, foreign policy. Foreign policy, and it's a fairly recent headline. Read the headline on your screen. It says, China's checkbook diplomacy has bounced. I know it's a play on the word on the words check and bounce, but in this in this case, checkbook diplomacy, because the Chinese thought they will lend countries this money, see what happened in Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and then the countries and their elites will become indebted, we'll build these great projects, the Pelibat, so we will earn interest on this money and very healthy interest, almost commercial rates of interest with sovereign guarantees. We are only lending to a sovereign, right? Fantastic. And then these countries will be under our thumb. And if need be, we can use this infrastructure also in future as with Hamban Tota as CPC. So you were going to win three ways, except then if the country is not able to repay you, then you've lost all the three bets. Then that check on which you were banking, that this, these loans, these debts will now power my diplomacy, that check has bounced. Because if your borrower cannot repay his debt, and you are not willing to forgive that debt and you then go to collect that debt and you go to collect that, that debt also in a stronger manner, then you lose your diplomatic stature also and you lose your diplomatic leverage also. So the first headline that I noted, China's checkbook diplomacy has bounced. Second, Washington Post editorial. This is while the G20 finance ministry's meeting is going on in Bengaluru. Huge debts to China come due. Will the world's poorest have to pay? I will quote a little bit from this as we go along. Another headline from foreign policy, China's belt and road to nowhere. Another from Wall Street Journal. China's global mega projects are falling apart. It's from there that I picked the example of that Ecuador project and also the Angola project, etc., etc. The same Wall Street Journal story also talks about another, you can call it vanity project or you can call it a nutcase project or you can just call it an arrogant project where the Chinese had the money and they, quote unquote, persuaded the Ecuadorians. Ecuador is not that large a country or that rich a country or that powerful a country, right? So, so it has elites, ruling elites. You can arm twist them, you can charm them and some co corruption investigations are going on right now. But they persuaded them to build an entire city in the Andean Valley. They took thousands of hectares of farmland in the Andean Valley to build a new city called Yachay, Y-A-C-H-A-Y, Yachay city, saying that this is where big tech industry will come up and you will become 
a tech superpower. You know what's happened to that project? That project has meanwhile been abandoned. Now the project has been abandoned, but the debt has been taken by who are Ecuador and that has to be repaid. And if they don't repay, the Chinese are not willing to forgive it. The Chinese will come to collect. That is the big difference between China and the rest. There are also issues, say in Uganda, in Uganda, there are more than 500 construction defects in just a 183 megawatt hydropower plant that the Chinese built on Nile River. The power plant has 500 cracks, more than 500 cracks, and the power plant cost half a billion dollars, which was mainly financed by a 480 million dollar from the Chinese Exim Bank, right? So that money is owed to the Chinese while the project has cracks. Another hydropower project in Uganda, down the same Nile River, and it's a larger project, 600 megawatt project. That is three years too late already. The fact is that already repayments on the $1.44 billion Chinese loans have started. The project is not on stream. Uganda has to start paying and there is trouble. So this is going on now with a lot of the lendings that the Chinese have done. Now here is what's happened with China and the Chinese debt. How much money has China been lending to the world? At this point, China's debts to the world, money that China has given to the world, it's not aid. It's not even the kind of loans that say India might give to Sri Lanka. Very low interest loans. Sometimes loans are delayed, they are restructured, sometimes they are not even paid. These are mostly seen as aid. Again, loans that IMF and World Bank give you are at very, very low interest rates, incredibly low interest rates. So as this Wall Street Journal editorial reminds us, when they lend money, IMF and World Bank, they are taking a haircut at the front end by saying that I am giving you a debt, say at one fourth or one fifth or whatever of the commercial price, I'm already taking a haircut. And when they go wrong, as they did go wrong 25 years ago, not because they did the long lendings, but at that point also there was a global downturn and a lot of the poor country were, countries were not able to pay. They did a lot of loan forgiveness, but they were able to do it only because the US and other G G7 countries compensated them. Today, they can't do it for the Chinese loans. The Chinese, on the other hand, in all these talks, including a meeting that, that officials of lending countries, including India, by the way, G7 countries, IMF, World Bank, the Paris Club, which has 22 top lending countries in the world or eight giving countries in the world and the Chinese, they got together and they discussed this. Chinese are saying, look, before we think of any loan forgiveness, IMF and World Bank should do it. As the Washington Post editorial tells us that IMF and World Bank are lenders of last resort. China is not a lender of last resort. They are lenders of last resort. They, in any case, lend at very low interest rates. And if they cannot get their money back and they have to write off those loans, then America and G7 countries fund them to compensate from, from that loss. Now, what the Chinese are demanding is that if IMF and World Bank also have to forgive loan, only then the Chinese will forgive their loans or cut their interest rates. That would amount to G7 countries and America actually subsidizing the Chinese for their loans. I hope I'm clear on this. I know it sounds a bit complicated, but it's very clear. So to repeat again, the Chinese are saying, IMF and World Bank should forgive their loans, then we'll think of forgiving our loans. They give loans, the Chinese give loans and commercial rates. IMF and World Bank give at very small rates. They are not sovereigns. They are sovereigns, they don't have a diplomatic sovereign agenda. And when they give out this money, because they get their money from countries, then rich countries in the world compensate them. So the Chinese are saying, 
you write off your loans rich countries will will compensate you right and then i will i will do something about my loans so indirectly the chinese are getting subsidized by richer countries through imf and world bank that is too 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 clever by half it's not going to work so increasingly now countries are realizing a lot of countries borrowed china's money they are realizing that it's now a cup filled with poison china from a giver of generous giver of loans they were a bit, they were happy to give loans all the time to bilele to bilele to bilele at this point china is the biggest lender in the world it's bigger than imf and world bank it's become less big than it was say in 2017 which was the peak of xi jinping's sort of dream of buying up the world right in 2017 it was much bigger than imf and world bank but it still remains bigger china is the biggest lender in the world and china's debts are in trouble because china's borrowers are in trouble as i said earlier the chinese don't see their debt as aid or donation it's a commercial endeavor and today today from being generous loan givers generous as in ready with a checkbook are apne ghar ko renovate karana i will give you a loan right or run your business i'll give you a loan just the just that the interest rate will be 20% and what's your security of our security i'll take your home and your car and your cubel and maybe your dog if you value that so much so that is the kind of lending the chinese have been doing once again the projects for the, for which china has been lending money have also been opaque projects from that now china from a generous loan giver china has now become the world's toughest official loan collector right they are now a sovereign a superpower near superpower sovereign which is going around going out collecting its debt back from countries who borrowed and if they can't pay they just possess their assets imf and world bank will not do it no developed country does that no country goes and possesses somebody's port as the chinese have done with hambun tota and see what's happening in pakistan pakistan is having serious troubles there is a neelam jhelum hydroelectric project about 900 megawatts that project the tunnel built fully with chinese money and built by chinese contractors and engineers that project the tunnel developed cracks the head of pakistan's electricity regulatory authority told the senate that this tunnel can collapse right so that project project is shut down a large project is shut down but pakistan has to continue to repay that debt pakistan is also struggling now to repay china's debt you would have thought that china and pakistan have such are such iron allies they have such strong friendship that china that since pakistan has trouble right now china will come to their aid nothing of the sort if at all chinese are saying all right if you can't pay me this bit of my debt now you can pay it 6 months later or one year later but there is no question of debt forgiveness even with their best friend in fact in malaysia when mathir came to power one of the early things he did was to cancel 22 billion dollars worth of belt and road initiative projects with chinese money because he said those were troublesome and if you look at pakistan pakistan's balance of payments problem pakistan's foreign exchange problems a lot of it is also caused by the fact that so much has to be imported for cpc because stuff for cpc including steel cement etc in those those quantities is not available in pakistan energy not available in pakistan that's being imported and that comes to pakistan's amount other countries in trouble ghana's in trouble Zambia is in trouble. Zambia is a large country which has already had a sovereign default, right? Uh, in 2020, of 17 billion dollars. A lot of that is owed to the Chinese, and again, the Chinese have used this money to build what in India is called string of pearls strategy. That is, give loans to Sri Lanka, Myanmar, Pakistan, go to Djibouti, 
buy ports or build ports etc etc to dominate indian ocean to dominate india yes in the maritime way but also to dominate the indian ocean the notion the idea of belt and road initiative or the silk roads as these these were called that had come up earlier xi jinping announced this in 2013 because he thought one of the reasons he came up with this idea one of course was the chinese economy was booming china had too much spare cash china had too much steel too much aluminium too much glass too much this too much that too much capital so they wanted to find markets outside and when and where markets were not there they wanted to create markets the other thing was that they were always insecure about energy supplies through indian ocean or through what is now called indo pacific so they thought that if we, they could cut through these mountains in central asia and reach all the central asian countries and russia directly they could build pipelines and things there so their dependence of routes of supply of energy without which they can't survive that the americans and others or any adversaries could not cut so that was also part of the same objective all of that included great lending so one of the other setbacks that their lendings and the bri project has had is simply that the russians by invading ukraine have made that entire region so unstable that nobody knows when it might be possible for these for these pipelines to reach wherever the chinese want to reach them or these highways or these railways etc etc and all these central asian countries also right now are very very frightfully insecure about russia and the third thing is that many of these country de countries depend on help from russia and remittances from russia because their workers go and are employed in russia russia is always sh short of human resources manpower now all of that has suffered a setback and once again the chinese are seeing crisis in those areas as well so this is the story of one of country that pretended to be a generous investor turning in and forcer pakistan zambia suriname they've all seen pushbacks from china lately to return their money so once again the article in foreign policy tells us that china has become the world's largest official debt collector debt is in trouble because of a mishmash of projects with shoddy contracts and there are domestic challenges because in countries that borrowed this money in some countries governments have changed because there's been so much controversy and there's been such a bad balance of payments crisis so yun sun who's a chinese expert at stimson center in washington who we hear from once in a while on into india china issues also we featured her on the print as well she's been quoted as saying that look in 2008 when the glo global financial crisis took place the chinese freaked out her words not mine chinese freaked out and chinese then thought that maybe time has come to keep the economy going find a way of keep the economy going and keep the economy growing so domestic industry in china was put on steroid and that caused big surpluses in chinese economy steel cement glass aluminium etc everything but oil because chinese don't have oil and that is when chinese gave out so much money to other countries to build infrastructure hoping that these countries will now provide markets for chinese materials chinese goods chinese engineers chinese contractors in africa by the way in 2019 60% of all the payments made to contractors were made to chinese contractors in all the continent of africa in the year 2019 for for which data is available that's how in 2017 the chinese became bigger lenders than world bank and imf now we know what's been playing out 
at Bangalore and before that in this Chinese debt debate. So while the Chinese are saying, look, IMF and uh, World Bank should first uh, forgive their debt, etc., 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 or we will give a little bit of discount or we will delay repayment of debt. As a two years ke baad, idana paise. Janet Yellen, the American Secretary of Treasury, she has asked. China to forgive debt and they are saying because you are raising these conditions IMF World Bank etc etc and you are also stopping Zambia Zambia from restructuring your debt with other countries saying first you pay our debt so Chinese are like that Chinese don't let countries which have borrowed from them to restructure their debt with other lenders also saying pehle mera paisa wapas kar right Janet Yellen is accusing China of becoming a barrier in progress you are not letting other countries restructure their debt while their other lenders lenders might be willing the China on the other end says that she and America by implication are sabotaging other sovereign countries efforts to restructure debt because they would like any Zambia or all the Zambias to restructure their debt to the Chinese as they want it restructured, not in the way that they might be able to do with IMF, World Bank, G7 countries, etc., etc. Now, how did this name BRI come in? I will not tell you a long story. I will share an article with you. You will see the front page on your screens, but I'll share the article. This is from Council on Foreign Relations in New York. This is written by James McBride, Noah Barnum and Andrew Chatsky. And this article tells us a little bit of the history and how this came about. This was Xi Jinping's idea, 2013, his dream, dream project. First he thought he'll link Ish Africa, Oceania, Oceania is Australia, New Zealand, etc. Latin America. And then came in South Asia. I'm adding South Asia. This article doesn't talk about South, South Asia. And he thought he will link them all. And I'll, I told you the strategic and economic reasons why he wanted to do something like that earlier. It was initially called a Silk Road because initial Silk Road which came up during the Han Dynasty in China, which is quite ancient, it started in 206 BC, went on till 220 AD. That was a westward expansion. So that opened up Central Asia and then parts of Europe, Turkey, etc. and India or what is today Pakistan as well to Chinese Trade. So that was the ancient Silk Road. So the idea was the same. That ancient Silk Road went 4,000 miles deep into Europe. What Xi Jinping unveiled in 2017 was sort of a two kinds of Silk Roads. One was going Central Asia into Europe and the second was like a maritime Silk Road, which was, which was trade through the seas, trade and diplomacy and exercise of military power. That then became, it came to be called OBOR, one belt, one road, which finally got the name Belt and Road Initiative. All this lending and all this construction has gone on along this imagined BRI or OBOR, whatever you want to call it, you can call it any of the Silk Roads, one belt, one road or Belt and Road Initiative. But the fact is, this was a huge project. It was a diplomatic project, a financial project, a strategic project, a military project, and given the way it's been structured, it was also Xi Jinping's vanity project. As things stand, most of it is in trouble right now. And if he thought he'll, he will give poor countries all this money, make friends and influence people and countries, it has come unstuck because a debt gone wrong is a friendship destroyer. That's why you find if you go to buy things, even at grocery shops, you might have been watching it from your childhood. Ask your parents, they would have watched it from their childhood. Shops say some equivalent in the north, in the Hindi heartland, they say, Udhar Prem ki kenchi hai, which is like debt, don't borrow. 
pay cash for what you buy because because any debt is like a pair of scissors that cuts through bonds of friendship that is precise, precisely what's happening with the chinese except that the chinese want their money back and if they if you don't give them their money back they will take your port highway airport whatever